Hello and thank you so much for joining us. My name is Cedric Bailey and I am so excited to have with me today a friend of the family. As a matter of fact, our family is so close that when you say the name Agers, you can't do nothing but say Johnny Pearl. <laughs> Cynthia Agers Posey, how in the world are you doing? I'm awesome. Thank you, cousin. All right, pull that mic up so they can hear you. Thank you, cousin and friend. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing about my cousin Cynthia, I always kind of te tease her, but she didn't know this. But I always give her that Evelyn Champagne King smile because it's just like you always got that smile. Yes. Do you hear that all the time? Or did I you? do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you when he came in the world, he was smiling. I think I was. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was your mother's name? Of all Evelyn. Those? Evelyn, yeah. Evelyn Agers. Yes, yes. Well, anyway, I, I, you got this book. It's entitled The Life and Legacy of Lavester Posey III, The Faithful, Kind, Humble, Gentle Giant. Amen. What made you decide to write a book about Lavester? Well, um, when Lavester passed suddenly yeah. um, due to COVID-19, my whole world crushed um, as I knew it. And I really didn't know how to move forward. So... Uh, in the midst of tragedy, I went to a counselor. I began to talk to her about my pain. And she said, Cynthia, you have a lot to say about your husband. Why don't you start keeping a journal? Okay. And I was like, okay, that's, that's what she said. And when you, uh, sometimes I couldn't sleep at night and I would get up and do the journaling. So I began to journal my thoughts and before I know, I had a notebook of things, and I was like, wow, this actually could be a book about his life. So from journaling and um, late nights and God giving me more information about our life, um, Levester's life, that's how this got birthed. Wow, amazing. And, you know, it, it's so many things I want to say about Levester because one day, <laughs> it was kind of funny, your cousins, Pastor Mike, mm -hmm. got he, faithful at Corinth. That's the, the family church home, Corinth, okay? Yes. He gets installed as the pastor of the Bethel Missionary Baptist Church in Tatum, Oklahoma. And I look up, and you guys, I guess y'all were living in Arkansas at the time. Yes. In Fayetteville? Uh, Bentonville. Bentonville. Okay, mm -hmm. we're Walmart headquarters. But anyway, y'all, I look up, y'all there. Yes. And, and right there, it was like in, uh, was it in October or something like, or, De or September or December? Um, I don't know. Was it October-ish? I think yeah. it was early And this was fall. in 2020. Yes, like in that. 2020. Okay. okay. Uh -huh. So he's there installed. I look up and see y'all. And then a few weeks later, you guys are in town, and I get this call from Levester saying, hey, man, I'm out here at Thompson Square out here at Gabby's. And uh, I'm getting ready to get something to eat. So y'all are there. And I said, man, they sure spend a lot of time here in Oklahoma. So I get the call. And guess what? I start what I'm doing. I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. You know, and sit there and eating and everything. And we're talking. And then later on, my dad says to me, because my dad calls me all the time. Half time he wants something. Another time he just called, just talk. And I appreciate those calls. Cause I, one day I couldn't hear my dad. And you know what I did? I got up in my truck and went up to Oklahoma City, and I said, what's going on, Dad? You know, I'm glad you're here. I need to do this. So I fixed his phone, and he's good to go. But it's the little small things in life, Cynthia, mm -hmm. that we have to appreciate. Yes. You know, so here I am. I'm seeing you guys, and, and, and I'm talking to my dad, and he says to me, well, uh, one of your cousins is sick. I said, who is it? 
And he says, he think it's Tony. I said, oh, really? So I called Tony. Tony answered the phone. And then they say to me, it's Puka. It's LaFester. And so at that time, I didn't call you. Mm-hmm. You know why I didn't call? Because the Lord told me to pray. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I waited. Then I called Mike. And then he kind of shared something with me. Then I finally reached out. And then I found out that he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then I found he had pneumonia. And and then during that time period, I don't I, I don't know what else happened. I just didn't say anything else and pray. Mm-hmm. But tell me what was going on during that time period, as you recall, because you said he passed away on January the 23rd from COVID-19, as you mentioned, your world mm-hmm. crashed. But what was going on in late December? What, what was you experiencing with your husband at that time, Cynthia? Uh, well, 2020 was probably our best year. 2020 was um, probably our best year because of COVID, I was able to work from home remotely uh, and Levester was as well. And that was the first year that we had every day together in 2020. And it was just such a blessing. And as I think back in hindsight, I realized that the Lord was giving me uh, that QT time just with Levester. So all of 2020 was awesome and grand. We had a great um, Christmas with our son and daughter-in-law, Kirsten. They came to visit us in Grace. And it was, I think, our best Christmas. We would just, it was so much love and joy. And Levester was full of love and joy, as he always has been. But this year was just incredible. And then my birthday came. My birthday is December 30th. So he wanted to take me out to dinner. We went. To, he took me to Ruth Chris. The steakhouse. Okay. The steakhouse. A pretty expensive steakhouse. He didn't care. He 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 doesn't like this. He's a little frugal. So <laughs> I was like, okay, if he's ready to go there, we're gonna go. So we went there and we had an awesome, you know, dinner. Me and my daughter and a friend we invited. It was just an awesome time. And then after that, um, new we had a great New Year's and. Then around January the 3rd, um, he he became ill. And I was like, well, maybe it's the flu. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, maybe it's the flu. So, okay, we, we went with the flu because he typically gets the flu every year. Yeah. And so um, not thinking COVID. And so uh, he was sick. And I remember it was time to take our daughter back to University of Oklahoma for her second semester as a freshman mm-hmm. on January the 3rd. January the 2nd, she had to be there January 3rd, which was that Monday. So we packed everything up and we put it in two cars and we began to drive to Norman, Oklahoma. We got to Tulsa, Oklahoma and take a break. And we all got out of the car and went to get something to eat. and. He was lagging behind. He was very You've never sick. seen him that way. And I was like, hey, what's the matter? And he said, I don't know. I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to sit here for a minute. You and Grace, go ahead and get you some dinner, some lunch. So we did that. And he was a little, little out of sorts. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what? You cannot drive to Norman. I'm going to let Grace drive from Norman, uh, from Tulsa to Norman. I will drive your car. Mm-hmm. Um, to Norman so we didn't even let him drive and so yeah. he was just sitting back resting and then we got to Norman and started to unload the car we didn't even let him help us unload the car it was Grace and I did 
all of the hard work and just let him sit there. And I said, well, dad is not feeling good. So we're going to just let him lay down and rest. Not, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me that he had COVID. I could have took him to OU health center to be checked at that time, but didn't dawn on me at that time. We were just getting grace unpacked. Yeah. And so we unpacked grace, got her settled with her roommates Got him back in the car, said, I need to leave because he's not feeling good. I'm going to take him back to Arkansas. So I drove him all the way back to Bentonville. That evening, we got there, and I put him in the bed, and he said, I'm just going to go to sleep. I said, okay. So he went to bed, and then that next morning was a Monday, and he woke up, and he was still a bit sick. And then so um, I began to work and try to cook breakfast for him. And I remember that I cooked him oatmeal, toast, bacon, and eggs, which he likes. And so I took it in and let him eat and everything. And then so he said, Cynthia, did you put any um, butter and sugar in this oatmeal? Because it tastes bland. I can't taste anything. Oh, Lord. I was like, yeah, I put everything you normally like in it. And that's a sign yeah. of a COVID symptom. Okay. And I said, huh. Then so I said, well. Let me put some more. I took it back and put more in it. He was like, that was the worst oatmeal I ever tasted. He was laughing because he's such a good cook. Yeah. And I said, I'm sorry, honey. I don't know what happened. Yeah. And then so he said, it don't matter. I'll just eat the eggs and bacon. And then so he sat there and he re- I said, well, you just rest. And then so we got a call um, about 4 o'clock that afternoon on Monday. And it was the OU um a trainer doctor from University of Oklahoma and said, uh, Mrs. Posey, this is the doctor and I'm Grace's um, trainer and I'm her doctor. And um, we have something to tell you. Grace has contacted COVID. I said, contacted COVID? He said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And he said, so we need you and your husband to go and get tested. I said, well, okay, uh, but it's like everything is closed. It's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I said, I'll take him to the urgent care Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. 8 o'clock. He said, okay. He said, but you and your husband need to go get tested. Mm-hmm. We have Grace in quarantine, da-da-da-da. She's okay. She doesn't have any symptoms, da-da-da-da-da. So Grace was riding with him and had contacted covid but right you, didn't, you didn't get it. I didn't get it. I don't know why. Okay. Well, so I went ahead and got up that, that morning, Tuesday, rushed him to urgent care and took him in there. And they tested him first. And then they came out and said, yes, he tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, he has pretty severe COVID. It's starting to form in both sides of his lungs. We're going to have to send him to the hospital. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, why does he have to go? They said, ma'am, this is serious. We need to take him straight to the um, emergency room. And I said, well, I haven't even been tested. They said, ma'am, we've already called an ambulance to come and pick him up. They will route him to St. Vincent's Hospital, and then we'll test you. So, ma'am, this is very serious. I was like, okay. You know, out of all the shock, so I let them put him in the ambulance and, you know, take him on to the hospital while I stayed behind. They tested me, and I tested negative. And they said, well, it could be two or three days, and you could test positive. And you never did, So did we want you to come back in two or three days to test again. But you never I never did. did test 
So yes. who did you call? Because you had to make some phone calls. Who did you call first of the family and the siblings or something? Uh, just I call? did call um, Tony and Lisa because mm-hmm. they lived in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. And I called Jalen, my son, and yeah. then I knew where my daughter was. So yeah. I didn't want to disturb her with the news at this time. Yeah, because she's just getting in but school. She she's just, a track Yeah, track. and she, she was in quarantine anyway. But she was worried. She so, already knew. Anyway, I went did I went to the hospital and then so when we got to the hospital, uh, I got some good news. They checked him out and they gave him antibiotics and some other stuff and they said let's let him um, quarantine at home. Good. And so I felt like that was a positive and so we took him home and put him in the room and I was just to feed him and you know all of that and so I did that for your about, job worked with you too as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I did that Tuesday and Wednesday. And then on Thursday morning, he was very sick. Okay. And um, he said, Cynthia, I'm very sick. I said, okay, so let me take you back to the hospital. So I got in the car and I took him back to the hospital. And they said, Mrs. Posey, we can't let you come back, but we will take Mr. Posey. So at that point, I watched him walk through those doors. And from there, the next two weeks was just pretty traumatic. Wow. And um, it attacked his, his lungs. What really happened is that it attacked his lungs. Um, and it pretty much, if it's severe, it shatters your lungs. So it shattered his lungs where he really couldn't breathe. And so um, that's did when they decided to put him on the ventilator. Did you ever get a chance? Because that was the time period that they weren't letting people go back. Right. But did they, did they make an exception or at least let you go? No. You they didn't. we we talked uh, via FaceTime uh, and text. That was the way that we communicated while he was in in that area, and he was letting me know how he was doing. We were doing a lot of number calling because there's a lot of like. Um, he's his breathing is up or down so each day we were you know his breathing had to be 93 to 100 to be considered doing the right progression but uh, it would stay 90 um, a couple of days and then it would dip down and so it began to dip down lower and it was a Wednesday of the next week when while he was in there, he was singing and praising God and people were singing to the Lord the whole time. And uh, nurses were telling me about how joyous he was and how he was asking them, did they know the Lord? And it was all of these things going on while he was sick. And he was, um, you know, talking to every family member by text. And he was giving us words of encouragement. We were giving him words of encouragement and um he was singing praises to god and so everybody was hopeful that he you know he was getting better and then it was that wednesday afternoon that i got a call from saint vincent's hospital that um, he was severely ill and if i didn't allow them to put him on the ventilator that he wouldn't make it past the night so i had to call Jalen immediately so Jalen and i talked to him uh, over the phone we said look Lavester, you know, this is Cynthia. And he said, Dad, this is Jalen. And we said, they say that you're pretty sick and that you need to go on a villain. Do you want us to do that? And he was like, yes, please. So we said, okay, well, he said yes. And so we put him on the ventilator. And so he was on the ventilator for about four or five days. 
and they had to f- turn his body um, each night. Um, he was losing weight too at the same time. And and yeah, he was going through that, and so it got to the point where he wasn't able to breathe um, the last few days, and so um, the nurse, uh, it was a male nurse that cared for him the last three days, and so he he called me each day with reports, and so he was like. Mrs. Posey, um, I don't think that he will make it the next um, 24 hours. So if you would like to come and be with him, then um, I will make that happen for you. And he was not allowed to basically let me in there, but he dressed me up just like he dressed himself up to care um, for Lavester, and he allowed me to go in. Thank you, Lord. The last, that was a blessing from the Lord. So that was the last night of his life. And so I stayed there with him and um, talked to him, even though he was sedated and held his hand and said things and sung to him and told him how wonderful of a husband he was, father. And it was a very emotional time for me. But I asked the Lord um, if he was going to take him, that I was ready to release him. And so went through that process, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. But God was with me, and I was able to get through that. And you know what? It was like a snowball effect because during that time period, your classmate, Carl Franks, two weeks later, was going through. Now, him and my brother and I were at the Ardmore game. It was in November. They were playing Carl Albert, and they're up in the stands talking mm-hmm. and then I get the word about him going down and then Mike's mother passes in the morning mm-hmm. you know and then your cousin our cousin Ricky passes later a couple so of months later it's like I was like God what next it was a domino effect that year yeah 2021 was an ugly year yeah it was but I'm going to tell you this while you were going through that that Saturday morning, I think, was that the date he passed? Was it on a Saturday morning? Yes. That was on a Saturday. I was on my way to the bowling alley. It was about 8.30 or 9 because I was going to be bowling in this tournament. And all of a sudden, I get this text. I think it's from Lisa or I can't remember, but somebody in the family sent me the text and said, Puka is gone. Do you know I sat in that car and, and cried for about 30 minutes? And I sat there and I said, of all the people, why, God, does this one hurt? Because a few years ago, I had my praise in the park. Mm-hmm. I asked Dana to come speak. And then I asked Puka to come speak. Yes. And y'all came and you did the dance. Yes. Your, your mind. And, and I put that on YouTube. And, mm-hmm. and people were able to go back and watch that. And when you said a while ago that he loved to sing, then... I remember watching the message, and guess what he does? He, he starts sin. He he did that when he began to preach because he said he was nervous yeah. um, before he would preach. So singing always calmed him down. So and he would sing a cappella. Yeah, and so he would sing some of his favorite hymn before his sermon. And yeah. it, he could really sing. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite awesome. Yeah. So I have that. I found that video and I put it up on YouTube. And I think people started just watching it, you know. And I think I shared it with you, and I said, it's available for you whenever you decide you want to watch it. And I just left it there. And, and I had some family members say, thank you. 
He says God was preparing you for what he was going to do because he needed to leave a message. And I thank God that I was able to do it. And y'all, you, y'all, y'all came in there and you and your daughter did a mind ministry and it was just awesome, you know. So I want to say thank you, you know. And, but yes, I sat in the car and I cried. And I said, why did I cry? Because I remember Bobby, his mother, and all them coming. And what happened was the boys stayed on First Street and the girls went out to Berwyn, out to Gene Autry and stayed. And they went to school out there. And man, it was Slam Bang Theater right there on First Street. We met each other. It, we met after school. And I could just say, I knew right then that God sent me another brother in my life with Puka. Yes. Yeah. We, we went and watched him play basketball. He was like Dr. J playing that basketball and palming the ball. But then the, here's the part, because I want to—I I know you got somewhere to go, and I want people to be able to share this. Mm-hmm. And I, I need them to know that the, the book, The Life and Legacy of Lavester Posey, and you can get it on Amazon, right? Yes. All right. Right? It's, so it's listed up under that title up on the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to say that these are the contents. Number one, hard things happen to us in life. But we must keep moving forward. Then when you talk about his athletic ability was a top, you know, because he started as a freshman mm-hmm. for Ardmore. Coming in, they was, he coming in from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Okay, the beginning from Mississippi to Oklahoma. Uh, a love story, the greatest love story ever. Y'all have to get this book and read it. But I will ask you a question because I was blessed also to be the DJ at your wedding. And, man, we had a great time. Bobby was up there. <laughs> you know how Bobby, Bobby and, and Lisa, and I call it Woogie, they favor each other so much. It's yes. just incredible. You uh-huh. know? And and they look like their grandmother, who's from uh, North Carolina. So, But um, when you met Levester, now I know he's at least two or three years older than you. Mm-hmm. Because you finished in 82, he finished in 79. But you met him when he was 21. Yes. Okay. And all I can say is you admired him. What could you say? Because this is going to be on Chapter 1. But just, just a little bit. Without having to read the whole book, what could, you you met Levester the whole time, but what made you talk to him? Because he was quiet, Sam. Levester was just a very unique uh, young man, and he always treated people with dignity and respect. And he was so calm about it, and so very kind to all the young ladies. Uh, of course, I wasn't the only young lady interested in Levester. He had many girls who were very attracted to yeah, him. Yeah, I know a couple of them, but um, I ain't saying their names. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, rightfully so, because he was a kind-hearted gentleman to everyone that he met. And so just that kind demeanor and how he cared for young ladies. I mean, he would actually be counseling girls to stay away from boys that were not good for them <laughs> so that they would find someone that was good for them. Hold I was on like, a second. Stop. Wait hold a minute. It. Hold, hold that it. guy, I want to figure him out and see if wait, he wait, 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 think wait, about you, you me. Got me. You got me. <laughs> Tony, where you at, Tony? Go ahead. <laughs> So, anyways, I was like, well, I mean, he really cared about the person and particularly young ladies that they wouldn't get involved in the wrong relationships that would bring um, devastating consequences to their life. And I said, wow, so young to care so um, strongly about other people. So I noticed that trait. I was like, wow. So I was still a freshman when all this, he was a senior when all this was going on. I watched him from afar and 
I yeah, because you was a cheerleader. You yeah, had the best spot. You had and the best I, spot on the floor. <laughs> and I also got to watch him at track because I ran track. And mm. so uh, at the track meet, he would high jump. Mm. And he was just really a great high jumper. And he was just very humble about any award that he would receive. So he was always very humble. Mm. Uh, he wasn't one that bragged about anything that he did. And he did everything with excellence. So those were a number of the traits that I was just kind of jotting down. I was like, well, I got to go to school and go to college and figure out what I'm going to be in my life. So, you know, there was the break there and he did what he did. And uh, I come back uh, as a freshman that summer summer uh, from OU and he was working at Southwestern Bell for a few years and I heard that he was free and I was like oh my god so I tried to figure out how he and I could connect and I knew I had a connection with his sister because I played basketball with her so I went to visit Queenie that day (laughs) and uh, he was at home and I struck up a conversation with him Mm. of course on the sly and kind of let him know that, you know, I'm kind of interested in if we could possibly go do something fun or wait, go wait, on a you, date. Wait, wait, you would have kissed the grave. <laughs> <I did>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty strategic and aggressive. So what did, he, new, what did Newt did, say? Queenie went to see something. She said, whatever. <laughs> and so he was like, I'll think about it. And then so it was like he thought about it for like a week and a half, and then he decided to give me a call, and he took me to the movies. And that was the first time we had an official date. And from there, it was the next weekend. And so we became an item after Amen. that. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so it's so many things, but you guys got to get the book to read it. But, but you know, the, the, I got to ask you this question, then we're going to wrap it up. But when did he accept God in his life to say, I want to be a Christian? I think um, when I moved to Indianapolis in 1995, I took a position at Eli Lilly and Company as a systems analyst, my first real corporate position. And I uh, became pregnant with our first child, Jalen, about three months later. And he had to transfer from Oklahoma to Indianapolis. And so he did that in January of 1996. And so he had been there probably about two weeks. And the first thing he said to me is that uh, I uh, must give my life to Christ before our child is born. I was like, okay, that sounds cool, but where did that come from? And so he was pretty serious. So we began to search for a church home. We found one in about two weeks. We started visiting that church home, Progressive Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Michael K. Jones, um, and he hit it off with Pastor Jones, and he began to grow uh, in God's Word, going to Bible study every Wednesday, and he ended up getting baptized a month later by Pastor Jones, Mm -hmm. and then he began to want to grow in God's Word. He started studying the Word of God. He started teaching. Pastor Jones allowed him to teach um, uh, youth Sunday school with young men, uh, and uh, he had a, a young lady that was a teaching partner for the young girls. So he did that in youth ministry all during my pregnancy. And then Jalen was born. And soon as Jalen was born and everything was settled with Jalen, you know, in the hospital and me getting home with Jalen, he was asked to be a deacon. So he began his deaconhood. 
and he was a deacon for many years, probably uh, the first six or seven years of Jalen's life. And Grace was also born. And um, when Grace was sick, when I was six months pregnant with Grace, he came back to me and said, um, Cynthia, the Lord has called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was like, okay, when did this happen? So it was just kind of a progression, but I think he finally found his true purpose. I think God had called Lavester all along. Uh, he struggled with what that meant, and then once he figured it out, he took it and ran with it. Wow. And you know what? I'm pretty sure, because y'all lived in Indiana, but then you moved to Arkansas, and Levester had to have two services. Y'all did one in Arkansas, but then the people came down from Indiana. And that church, can I ask you that church in Arkansas, y'all fellowship? Because, mm-hmm. man, them people were awesome. What was the name of that church? And tell us about that homegoing service. Um, fellowship um, Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. So uh, it is a big church there. Uh, it is an uh, interdenominational church. It's uh, multicultural. Um, it, it's an awesome church. They're doing great things. We met so many great Northwest Arkansas um, servants of God, and uh, we grew in leaps and bounds as a family um, serving Christ. And so he was a, a community group leader. We were communi- community group leaders together for Fellowship um, Bible Christian Church in Northwest Arkansas. And we were that for about six years. And then he was also a part of the SAGE ministry where he would go to a nursing home once a month and and teach and preach to um, the nursing home congregation. So he was pretty much doing a lot of ministry there in Arkansas and enjoying it. And he was at the pinnacle of his life. He, I can honestly say, he was had good times, but he was still working a lot. And then we were planning to retire when our daughter uh, went to OU and come back to Oklahoma. And his his final plan was to open his own church here in Oklahoma. That didn't happen. Uh, he has opened his own church in heaven. Amen. And so he's now in paradise doing what the Lord has called him to do. And I am so grateful to his life and his legacy that I just want to tell everybody that if you live your life humbly, study God's word, God will open up that certain, that own unique purpose just for you, just it's, as he has, just as he did for Levesque. It's amazing. At Bethel, me and Mike has been teaching from Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. Mm-hmm. And this week's lesson is no substitute, you know. Mm-hmm. You either you either gonna serve me, and you're gonna acknowledge my son, and if you don't, then th- th- you'll go somewhere else. But if you follow me, you're gonna be in paradise. And the the most wonderful part about it, it is so worth it, people. Yeah. I mean, if you do find your purpose and calling in Christ, it will be something that you will never regret. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you for what you did, and I want people to get this book. I mean, we could talk forever, but for we're going sure. to stop here because we had, oh, man, we've been talking for 30 minutes. And, and I, I just want people to be sure to go ahead and, and share this message with somebody. Don't ever say that God can't do anything for mm-hmm. you. He can take the least because Levester and I, we had, and Dana, and all of us, Barbara, John, all of us had humble beginnings coming from Ardmore. But look at us now and yes. look where we came from. 
you know. Praise God. Yeah, you know, we got mm-hmm. degrees up on the walls and stuff. And, and you and I, we do IT work, you know. Yes. You know, and I love it. But we are praying for our generation, the next generation, that they'll be able to go. I think about when I very, very first met your grandmother. Mm-hmm. I was a little bitty boy, me and John. We lived on 2nd Street. We were responsible for taking care of our Uncle Luke because he loved my mother. Mm-hmm. His wife's name was Vashti. Mm-hmm. And that name was in the Bible, too. Yes. And we, you know, I was there, and, and, and she would come with her uh, three daughters. And, and one, the one that's down in Gramlin. Uh, Anjanette. Yes, I remember her being there. And I remember your mother because she was always playing the piano at Corinne. And so this family accepted me as a little round-headed boy during that time period, and here come Levester. So we have great memories here, and yes. we're so forever grateful. But I want to say thank you. You get the final word, Cynthia Posey. All I can tell you is what you do for Christ will last. That is the one thing that Levester realized, um, that only what you do for Christ would last. And he um, lived his life till he was 59 doing what he thought Christ wanted him to do. And now he's in paradise and I can't wait to meet him again so that we can pick up where we left off. God Amen. bless you. God bless you. The, the scripture, Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The life and legacy of Levester Posey the third, the faithful, kind, humble, gentle guy. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Thank you.
Go, go.